Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Happy Friday. Kelsey Charles here with Megan Murray on Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, guys? How we doing, guys? How, how we doing, guys? <laughs> well, that's actually funny you asked me that, Meg, because we'll talk a lot about um, that said individual here in a minuto. Oh, that redheaded individual? That, that redheaded individual. But mm. um, first, before we talk about our past, I'd like to talk about our future. Oh, wow. Did you like that segue? Yeah, I did. I just came up with it right now. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The Cowboys released their schedule last night, and we are hype. It gives us one step closer to what we hope to be in an NFL season. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Wow. We're getting really ahead of ourselves today, aren't we? Me every year. The, We're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Between you and Scooter Magruder, I don't know who likes to say it more. I mean, I, I'd like to say we're very similar in that regard. So You, you are. Hey. hey, I appreciate the optimism. I'm here for it. Positivity is always a pleasure to be around. But um, in, in light of that, I'd like to remain positive and view this as a step in the right direction towards hopefully having – Um, NFL football back in our lives or any sport for that matter live um, this coming fall it's hard to imagine um, a fall without the NFL so I'm just not going to do it but we all know this very uncertain times right now I think if you guys follow Adam Schefter which I'm sure most of you do you saw the report that came out from the memo um, that Roger Goodell sent out to teams yesterday or two days ago I believe it was and talking about how they're going to try and be opening the processes of of bringing players back into the buildings and figuring out how training camps and seasons and facilities and games and fans and things like that will work. So fingers crossed. Um, Obviously health is going to prevail and that's the most important thing, but exciting to see some things on the calendar to say the least. Yeah, fingers crossed and don't touch your face. Wash your hands and touch your face so we can all watch sports. (laughs) Kids. Do what I told you. (laughs) So, Meg, I want to get your reactions to this. Um, I know you guys, uh, real quickly, RJ from um, Blog of the Boys with us, our our guy, has a podcast out um, on the Ocho that kind of goes into this a little more in depth. But we're going to give our thoughts on this as well, too, because um, why not? We're excited. Uh, Preseason, let's go down the list. We've got Hall of Fame against Pittsburgh. Hall of Fame game with the Nooch. The Nooch. If the Nooch doesn't play in this game, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah. No, it has to happen. It, I think Mike McCarthy would not deprive us of such an honor, you know? Truly. I mean, let me just say this now. Now that I realize how strong the Pittsburgh roots are with this team and individuals on this team. Minus the Permanente Rose, but, you know. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I love him, but I'm going to judge him for that. Don't worry, guys. I sent him a list of barbecue restaurants so at least he can, like, you know, have some semblance of affinity for the places. And I mean, the, he seems to be a guy that will convert to Dallas life pretty well. Yeah, so. he'll be fine. But he just needed a little coaching in that regard, and I'm here to give it to him. The nooch. Um, but between him and McCarthy, these guys from the pits from the Berg, the ticket requests are going to be out the window. Oh yeah. Can we just say that right now? Oh, 100 percent. Like, what's the drive between Pittsburgh and in what? What is it like? Canton? It's Canton. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I almost said Cleveland. You know, um, they're not. Oh, they're, they're in Ohio. Ohio. So whatever. <laughs> My family's from Ohio too. I, when they listen, she they're going to no be like, "Excuse, I do." I really don't have an excuse. It's fine. I'm going to use it anyways. Um, so that was my first thought when I saw that. I was like, "That's going to be lit for all of the ticket and um, football ops folks." So sorry in advance for that. 
Then we've got Chargers um, preseason first game at L.A. Chargers. I don't even know. I mean, yeah, no one cares. It'll always be San Diego to me. Seriously. I'm still bitter about that for them. Uh, Baltimore, Kansas City, and then at Houston for the last preseason game, the Governor's Cup is what we call that game. and um, I don't like them. Yeah, you guys thought that Meg didn't like the Eagles. I don't know which city you hate more, Philadelphia or Houston. Like, if you had to choose, where, where would you go? And when I say where would you go, I mean, like, which one would you pick that you had to say you hate well, I've more? I've always said I want to saw Houston off and, <laughs> like, throw them into the Gulf of Mexico. But, <laughs> um, you mean, like, Florida? Yeah, yeah, they can go too. I don't care. <laughs> Saw off the Gulf. <laughs> I mean, it's just so conveniently located for that to happen. So, <laughs> just saying, I wouldn't mind. If you're if from Florida, I'm really sorry. If you're from Houston, I'm kind of sorry. I'm not sorry though. Like, I mean, growing up in Dallas, you there's a very strong bias. Each city has a hate for each other. They hate us as much as we hate them. I might hate them more than. They hate us. I don't know. If you're from Houston and you're listening to this podcast, at least you're doing something right. But like, yeah, let at me, least you have your allegiances correct. Let but. me just say this: as someone who's lived in two of the states or cities in Texas, it goes in this order: Austin, how dare you? <laughs> Dallas, get, get out. San Antonio, and then Houston. <laughs> and I, you can't convince me otherwise. It's, I like, I love Dallas. It's okay to be wrong. I That's mean, fine. but like, you can't tell me that Houston. Anyone who says Houston's better than Dallas, like, you're confused. Because you can't you can't breathe there for, like, nine months out of the year. I really like my strip clubs next to elementary schools. I went to a concert there one year, and it was so miserably humid and hot, and I, could, I couldn't even, like, enjoy myself. I left early. Like, I was like, this isn't even fun. Like, I can't I, – it was, like, a two-day concert. I went for, like, half a day. I was like, goodbye. Anyways, um, just some interesting stats for you all. Yeah, I could go on forever, but I won't. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> You think we say Eagles for never? It's also Houston for never. It's applicable here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. So um, I know this is a preseason game, but I also just like to beat te- the, the Texans in Houston. Anytime I can, like, say that we beat Houston, I'm here for it. Um, the overall – Petty. Yeah, the Governor's Cup, uh, the overall series is tied at 8-8. Eight and eight, And let me just go ahead and read some really important stats. Who won stats. last year, though? Um, so last year, the Cowboys won. Okay. The regular season wins – Cowboys lead the Texans three and two. Preseason, unimportant. Moving on. <laughs> the largest victory. <laughs> unimportant. <laughs> I'm not skewing the stats, okay? I'm just never reading. There is no bias here. What I'm reading the most about? important ones. And the largest victory was the Cowboys over the Texans, 34 to zero, which was last year. So, sucks to suck. Um, Stick that in your juice box and suck it. Yes. Anyways. That'll be fun because <laughs> what else? At this point, I'm going to celebrate any and all games, even preseason, okay? Yeah. Give me this. Um, all right, so let's move into regular season. I have to say I was kind of shocked by this. I had heard some rumblings about the Rams, and it doesn't super surprise me because the Cowboys and Rams have some pretty tight allegiances. Um, you know, Cronky and Jerry Jones are our pals, and – I know Jerry was a big reason when I was back with the team um, that the Rams were able to make the move and get all the proper votes to move to L.A. So the Cowboys actually open up their season at the Los Angeles Rams on September 13th. It's a 7 o'clock night game. We love to see it. And, um, yeah, that should be a really cool one. I mean, again, like I mentioned, I at first I was like, oh, wow. But, but then if you think about it, Again, like Jerry's, Jerry's tight with with Stan, and, and, it, and it made sense. And you know, when when I was running training camp, we actually held a joint practice when they were the St. Louis Rams. It was like right in that weird time where we everyone knew that it was like gonna happen, but like you didn't hundred percent know, and you couldn't say anything about it. So they were like out in Oxnard with us practicing, and you're like, "What's up, guys? Like, <laughs> how you liking the weather out here?" <laughs> Like, should we talk about Inglewood or like it was just it was it was an interesting time to say the least. So, I mean, I need this game to happen because I technically have a ticket to it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't just because my friend has season tickets. So, if you guys want to like someone my way, I'll I'll come. Um, but that new stadium should be insane. 
So they're opening the new facility, the new stadium um, with the Rams. I mean, again, it's going to be so cool. It's going to be such a cool facility. You guys think AT&T Stadium is amazing, and it is. But let me just tell you this. The Rams actually came out to Dallas and were touring the facility and to, to kind of basically take the best things they liked from AT&T Stadium and bring it out to L.A., I remember at one point, and I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't do any. So research. what you're saying is they copped our swag. Well, yeah. Also, it's run. It's operated by Legends, which is partly owned by Jerry. So, like, of course. Ah. It, they're all connected. I don't know. I just tried to sound like a cool kid. Sorry. No, you're right though. They did. Anything. I mean, any person that's building a new stadium has pretty much come to AT&T Stadium in the last like five years and been like, all right, so like, let's see what you guys did. Um, but of course, there's always like, the race to be bigger and better. I mean, I, I hear. I heard at one point. And again, I have no idea what the the new plans are. I should have I should look into that. I'm sure they're super epic. But there was like there was like some plan to have like a projection. I'm not even gonna say it. it. Whatever. It was like some crazy like thing on the roof that it was, and they ended up maybe not being able to do it because it was in like the flight path of like LAX or something. I'm not sure. I'm not even it gonna speculate. It certainly is in the flight path, but because um, I I remember just seeing pictures every time yeah. people fly over. They're like, wow, soon. Yeah, I'm not gonna even like speculate because I know I don't know enough about it to even tell you what I remember, what I was talking about. So I'm not gonna throw out any crazy things into the Twitter sphere, but Moving it's gonna on. be epic. <laughs> like needless to say, so that'll be a super exciting one. Um, the Falcons are actually going to be coming to Dallas to do the home opener against the Cowboys on September 20th. I was shocked by this. I could have sworn my life, Meg, that it was going to be the Giants. You know that seemed to be a pattern right uh, but you know Jerry and his superstitions probably didn't like the pattern that it, they had so I mean with the end of the season not with the game I just I I think what has it been like the last like five like I is it's been a minute that the home opener has always been against the Giants and I've always loved that tradition because you know of course like it, start it, the season off with a win yes <laughs> yes Megan yes but a good division rival game, like Megan said, start the season off with a win. Let's get spicy right especially, off the bat. Yeah, especially this year when you've got Jason Garrett, who's now the off, like the, the coordinator who's over there. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Your guy. Your guy. I don't know him. So not only is Jason Garrett going to be um, coming to Dallas whenever they do come, and he's not coming week two, as I just mentioned, but uh, he's going to be hanging out with uh, one Cooper Rush. A little bit ah, more as well. Coopy. Yeah. So back in March, um, I did say that was a thing. You did. I gave away his job. Yes, you did. I was right. You actually did. You I did call that. Cameron Fleming O line went to the Giants um, back in March, and then obviously we 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 speculated this past week when Andy um, when Andy Dalton came in that Cooper Rush's job was on the line, and, and that actually ended up being correct. And they cut they cut him a lot sooner or released him a lot sooner than I was expecting. I mean. I mean, I think it was what RJ said, though. Like, it's proof that if he stayed, it would be more of the same. Yeah. So. I actually really love that. Um, so RJ Ochoa, he had this really great comment on Twitter. If you guys aren't following him, make sure you do that. Um, he's good for a nugget every now and then. And some, and some weird math. Some very weird math, which cracks me up every time. <laughs> but he, someone, you know, commented to him about, like, how, like, oh, wow, he's, like, grabbing more of his guys, like Jason Garrett's guys. And RJ said, honestly, like, if anything, you can look at this as a sign that if he would have stayed, Jason Garrett would have stayed in Dallas, that things wouldn't have changed. Yeah. And I can't help but think that maybe he was right. Just out here taking all these Cowboys players, like, why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) She's going to sing every time. I hope you know. (laughs) And I love it. (laughs) Someone commented about my singing on the, on, on, uh, the podcast reviews and I don't remember what it was but it was pretty hysterical so I just feel like I'm gonna keep doing it now now that you guys are acknowledging my singing voice (laughs) or lack thereof you're stuck um so anyways Falcons week two not the Giants week three at Seattle week four um at home versus the Cleveland Browns so we're gonna have sooner on sooner action yeehaw yeehaw with that, little Baker Mayfield up in here. The Dallas Sooners will prevail. Do you think that we'll get um, <clears throat> Lincoln to come down for a game? He, If he comes down for a game, it's either going to be that one. They don't, we don't play Arizona. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. He's going to come down for both. It's a three-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah, he might be a little busy, but, you know, 
It could happen. I just I'm feel, saying there's a chance. Let's see. He'll come down for the Arizona game. It's a Monday night game. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyways, um, we I'm play, over you. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't play the Giants. So after Week Four, Cleveland Browns at home. We don't play the we play the Giants Week Five at home. So again, waiting until Week Five. That just is crazy to me. It's a three o'clock game as well. That's just so. I'm not used to that yet. Um, I mean, whatever. It'll be good. Get, get the win. Get out. Get home before dinner time. Goodbye. You'd hope so. Later. Um, again, after that, you've got Monday Night Football here at home. Of course, obviously, we're going to have the home Monday Night Football game. Uh, duh. Against the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. So, I'm going to go ahead and... Kyler going to catch these hands. Kyler going to catch these hands. Going to go ahead and put a wager down that Lincoln Riles is going to be in the owner's suite that game. Count it. See, he's going to show off that game. Count that. <laughs> hey! <laughs> You heard it here first. CDs. <laughs> CDs, TDs. <laughs> That's a new line. I like that. Is it that. new? I, it's probably not. <laughs> I'm just put it on a shirt. Stealing it. Put it, yeah, put it on a shirt. I'll wear it. I would too. Um, again, we go to the Redskins. The Yeah, that's going to be fun. Week 7 at the Redskins. Week 8, we go to the Eagles. Um, the who? The Eagles for never. I don't know her. Yeah, we don't love them. Goodbye. So we could see Jalen Hurts, the starting quarterback. That'll be fun. <laughs> Already giving away his job. I'm here for it. If I can manage, he could be the wide receiver. He could be the running back or whatever weird voodoo they're talking about. Honestly, I'm. I understand that I players change that. roles, but like once you get to the NFL, I don't know. I mean, I know it happens, but I'm just gonna hate on them because they're the, they're the Eagles, and I'm just taking any chance I can to like talk talk down. Shots fired. You don't know what you're doing, Doug. <laughs> um, week nine, home versus the Steelers again. So we just are playing them twice. Honestly, one of my favorite memories from my time at the team with the Cowboys was I was an intern when the last time the Steelers uh, played at AT&T Stadium. I don't know, know what year it was. I was a long time ago because I'm old now. Back but in my day. Back in my day. Um, you guys, I worked in broadcast in-game entertainment um, when they came to town. And so I was helping produce pregame. And I have to tell you, it was like one of the most like shocking experiences to me. You guys, I mean, Cowboys Nation travels better than any fan base I know. But if I had to pick a second, I would go with the Steelers. And they bring their freaking terrible towels with them wherever they go. Perfect name for them. Honestly, it was the most insane scene I've ever seen in my life. And there was, like, so much yellow. And, like, even if they didn't have as many fans as we did. So what I'm trying to tell you is we can't let that happen again. Yeah. Go to that game. Don't sell your seats. Don't give your seats away to Steelers fans. How dare you? And I need you to show up. And if you're going to bring a towel, bring a white towel. Actually, we should go ahead and enforce this now. They probably will have them on the seats for you. They probably will, but go ahead and bring a white towel because we don't need them showing up and looking like they own the place. Mm-mm. Uh, week 10 by. Yeah, our house, baby. Uh, week 10 by. Week 11 at Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Don't you know? I'm actually genuinely sad that um, Stefan Diggs is like not playing for them anymore. Now he's with the Bills. Because oh, that would that be, would be so fun, fun to watch two brothers match up <laughs> right there on the field there. First of all, I don't feel like you guys realize this. And if you didn't understand now, now you know. Megan is from that area. I was born there. So that's why her her accent is on point. Oh, yeah. My family lives in South Dakota. She so. also grew up in, or she lived in Nebraska, or her family lives in Nebraska too. So they like Runza. So they're like all sorts of... Hey, Runza's of, good. Don't you dare. Runza's trash. And I'm, I'm here to I'm, tell you that. I'm, I'm <laughs> upset. Don't upset me right now. I'm fragile. <laughs> I'm going to keep going before we throw hands. <laughs> Anyways, it would have been a fun matchup. Brother on brother action. <laughs> oh, two brothers there. On uh, the field. But alas, we will not get to see that. Thanksgiving is up next against the Redskins. Uh, Washington eating good that night. Because, you know, we're obviously going to win that game. Back-to-back Thursday games, though. That's been a thing this team's been doing for a while. Um, the next week, they've got, they're going to be at Baltimore. I, f- I have to feel bad for the team on this because it automatically puts a short week in there. And as someone um, – I, I used to I used to date a guy who worked for the team, and um, I have to tell you, like, the, the Thanksgiving game was rough. <laughs> like, 
as, as you know, it's such a fun tradition, but when you're actually working it and then you have to go, you, you can't even eat. First of all, when you work in this industry and you're playing a game on Thanksgiving, you're not really eating or having an actual real Thanksgiving. You're actually at the game or you're like doing some, some semblance of work. So you always have Thanksgiving like the day before or like the Friday after or like the Saturday after, like it's never actually on Thanksgiving. But then these people that work for the team too, some of these individuals, they go back into the facility after the game and pull like an all-nighter just to be able to flip all of the stuff needed to get back into the swing of things and start a new week over to get the team going for the next Thursday game. So it's a rough one for them. I feel for them on that. But never take it away because I'm not giving it up. Yeah. Well, no. It's just the, <laughs> this is the back-to-back Thursdays. So, um, and you have to think, like, that late in the season, you know, you can't help but, like, worry a little bit just about, like, the guys and having to – you know, turn their bodies around and whatnot. I mean, it's still a week, but then, I don't know. I just, I always kind of worry for them. But luckily, we have a great staff in terms of our rehab and PT crew. They're the ish, so I ain't worried. Shouts out. Shouts out. Greatest in the game. Um, all right, at the Bengals, week 14. Oh, Joe Burrow game. Oh, so Dalton gets to go back home. Honestly, there's some good storylines in here now that we're, like, going through this. Like, I can see it now. I can see it now, too. Um, yeah, so Burrow, that'll be fun. Again, if you guys know David Helm, which I'm sure you do, one of our very best friends, he's going to probably lose his mind. You know, they have this rule where you can't yell in the press box. He's going to yell in the press box that game. I'm, he might love Joey so much that I put a picture of him holding him like a baby on his birthday cake. <laughs> might Wait. Re- I might release that photo for you. You need to tweet that photo. It's the best picture ever, you guys. He liked it. It's hysterical. One of the greatest photo jobs, photo jobs, Photoshop jobs, words are hard, of all time. Um, yeah, so Andy Dalton goes back to his... Old hometown. That'll be interesting and another good one to watch. Week 15, 49ers um, at home. And then we're going to round out the year with the Eags and the Giants. So two wins at home. Win the division on high note. And Super Bowl. In scene. <laughs> You're welcome for this content, you guys. We already went ahead and just told you how it's all gonna go yeah crystal ball we have one or two of those so we know what's gonna happen before it happens it'll be a great year i can't wait to beat jason garrett and the redskins and clap now redhead. <laughs> clap this <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um anyways exciting to say the least i just I- hope like if we him I want someone to walk up to him and be like how we doing guys oh you won't I, I think you should but you, you won't you, that's a dare you heard it there do you feel like that they're gonna be wearing fight shirts on the giant sideline retire those I like I just feel like that we're gonna see something happen that's gonna be a JG ism like real hard and when he comes so to town. how long, over under, how long he takes to uh, take that head coaching job? <laughs> <laughs> that will be a story. He's already line. infiltrating the. The roster. Guy, yeah, the roster, bringing guys on. He, he's got a few coaches up there, too. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's the, it's the New York Cowboys. Saying. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, again, like I said earlier, like, it's super exciting to get the schedule out and I think in a time like this um you know I can't hope I don't know if hope's the right word but I think it's exciting to look forward to I think there's a lot of hoops and a lot of boxes that need to be checked um before we get there and obviously again I know Meg feels the same way health is going to be the priority and I know the league feels the same but um even if they play without fans or whatever could be the options, it's exciting the prospect of having football back because I just feel like I we need, need it. it. Yeah, man. Even even the NFL draft was such a like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely missed, and uh, I it gives me a lot of hope just to like talk about it. But you know. Yeah. We'll see. So, um, speaking of the NFL draft. 
we've done a little bit of talking with some of the guys that um, have been drafted or have been signed to the team, whether that's drafted or undrafted free agents. Check out our other podcast for that too. But we wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive for you all into who Trayvon Diggs is. You, you wanted secondary help. You got it. And he's an interesting one. Again, we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the calendar and the schedule release where his, his brother is pretty talented as well. And it's a shame they won't be facing off against each other um, on the field this year. But <clears throat> we actually got the chance to speak with Brett Hudson from the Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa? Really, Kelsey? <laughs> wow. Honestly, <laughs> words really are hard for me today. Yeah, I don't know. You can't tell that I'm a journalism major because sometimes I just can't speak. <laughs> but here we are. Someone I signed the paperwork and gave me the degree. Shame on them. <laughs> Tuscaloosa News and Tide Sports. Uh, Brett Hudson stopped by and spoke with us for a little bit. He had some super great insight, you guys, into truly his journey, Trayvon's journey through that system, being coached up by a guy like Saban, um, some of the really big plays that he can bring to this defensive side of the ball and also he might be able to slip in and play a few other roles for us as well so um interesting stuff he had a lot to say yeah he was fun he was great and he has an accent we we enjoyed he's a great accent so without further ado we'll go ahead and let you listen to brett his stories all in his great accent here And joining us now, we have Brett Hudson coming out from the Tuscaloosa News and Tide Sports. Brett, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Thanks for joining us today. So we want to chat with you about one, namely Trayvon Diggs. So obviously the Cowboys are super hype on how their draft went. Um, I don't know if you're super familiar with what our needs were, but it was really heavy in the secondary. And Trayvon fit that bill for us. We were super excited to snag him at 51. I know some of these mock drafts had had him going later, but the Cowboys felt so strongly about him, they just had to pick him up at 51. And we'd love to kind of get to know who this guy is, what he meant to Alabama, your knowledge about him. I know you've not only covered him from a beat writer perspective, but also being a fan because you went to Alabama yourself. So we'd love to kind of peel the curtain back from who – Trayvon is and give us a look inside under the helmet if you will yeah he's so low-key I don't know anything about him honestly he really is I mean he he literally talks about that he's like I'm just I'm pretty chill and like I can't I can't quite figure out his social media either he's got like two different Instagrams like is one a Instagram is one a regular Instagram like I'm not sure but yeah so Brett who is Trayvon Diggs like give us give us the spiel spill the tea spill the tea yeah I, I can't figure out his Instagram either. So join the club. Um, yeah, I mean, like like you said, my, my wife is also a uh, Alabama grad. So while I was covering Mississippi State before I got here, Alabama was always on the TV. Saw a lot of Trayvon, and uh, as as I'm assuming most of your listeners know, he is the younger brother of Stefan Diggs, right? The wide receiver who was traded, okay. right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I admit I'm not a avid follower of the NFL so I, I thought he got traded but I wasn't 100% sure so he's with the Bills now so any kind of divisional matchups are a little bit out of the question at the moment but that's okay that's okay hey we'll, I mean we'll have- hopefully one of them will jump on a table or something <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean Trayvon comes from a very athletic background and his uh his brother's a wide receiver in the NFL and when Trayvon came to Alabama he started as a wide receiver kick returner type um, but naturally when you have an athlete of that caliber, someone like Nick Saban, who is very, uh, predisposed to the cornerback position since that's where he's played. And that's where he's had so much success developing NFL caliber guys. When you have someone like that and a need at the cornerback position, Trayvon is someone who's going to at least get that opportunity to try cornerback. And he, he did it and it worked out for him uh, pretty well. I mean, he just got a, second round draft pick out of it so he's he's a rich fan these days thanks to that, uh, that position change but no that's that's kind of the the background that that Trayvon comes from and when he when he first got to Alabama he was making an impact as the kick returner type because as you can imagine it's it's difficult for a freshman to break onto the field at Alabama at any position but especially at a playmaking position like wide receiver so kick return was somewhere that he was able to get on the field as a freshman and then he made the the switch to 
corner later in his career, and that, that clearly uh, took off for him. He was someone that was looked at as a first-round guy had he come out after the 2019 or the 2018 season, uh, but he played the 2019 season. It was a little inconsistent is probably the, the right word for it. So he dropped down to the second round. And that's why, as you correctly noted, there were some draft pundits out there that saw him going later than that. But the, the Cowboys getting him in the second round is still an overall, I mean, I don't want to put the steal phrase on it. The time will tell on that, but the athletic potential in Trayvon suggests that he could be he could be a better NFL player than what the number 51 overall pick right. suggests. Yeah, so I actually want to talk about that for a minute because, you know, you mentioned his brother, and I did a little research on them, and actually his other brother as well, I don't, I'm, I'm going to mess up how you say his name, what, Meg Darez, it's D-A-R-E-Z, and I hate that I don't know exactly the pronunciation, but anyways, his other brother also played football and played at UAB. Um, so two of the brothers were in Alabama playing um, college football, and then obviously Stefan played at Maryland. So, um, And I also thought it was kind of funny because we obviously know how great Stefan is, but he was taken in the fifth round um, by the Vikings. So, you know, they I mean, listen – how about one-upping someone? <laughs> I, know, I know, right? They had some friendly banter because uh, Trayvon went on SportsCenter with Hannah Storm before the draft, and he was talking about how, like, they get a matchup against each other and they just practice and play and, and you know, really try and coach each other up. And, and he was saying how he, like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll take my brother on any day and, like, I'll beat him. But then, you know, obviously, like, getting that, like, one-up in the draft as well probably helped him too. But I thought it was interesting how Trayvon actually came to Alabama over going to Maryland. I mean, he's from that area – his brother went to school there, you know, going to play for a guy like Saban is obviously a huge deal in the college space. You cover recruiting as well for Alabama. Like what are some of the things that you see when they bring guys in like that who are wide receivers, but then, or, or might make a position change? Like what's their mentality coming into this program? And what are these coaches seeing in them that they're like, yes, like you make sense here, but you could also make better sense here. Well, to, I'll get to that, but to quickly touch on the Maryland aspect of things, I don't know what kind of voodoo Alabama has going on in, in that state, but it seems like they've pulled a, at least a really, really good player from New Jersey or Maryland or that general area of the country every year. Like Minka Fitzpatrick was a New Jersey guy. He comes down to Alabama, becomes a first-round draft pick. They had, they had a couple in more recent years that – didn't pan out for off-field reasons. But Trayvon and Minka are two very good examples of that. Again, I don't know what kind of uh, magic they're working up in that part of the, the country, but uh, I guess that's why they're Alabama and most other programs aren't. Um, to, to get to the position changes aspect of, of things, they that's something that had this – had Trayvon's career happened maybe five or six years ago, it may have gone a little bit differently because – in that day and time where college football had yet to be completely dominated by offense like it is now, it was getting there, but it wasn't there yet. Saban was very much the kind of guy who would go get a just jack-of-all-trades athlete, just go get a guy who played four or five different positions in high school and was clearly a five-star kind of athlete, but college coaches disagreed on where he should play. Same would go get that guy and say, I'm good enough as a coach to turn him into a good corner. And often he was right. If you look at some of the corners that were drafted in the first two or three rounds from Alabama in the early part of this decade, you're going to see some, some guys that fit that mold. But as Trayvon came later in the decade and, and Saban has been well documented, he's been more open to prolific offenses and more progressive offenses. He was more open to someone like Trayvon staying at a wide receiver position and, and giving that a go. But again, when, when you have someone like Trayvon, who obviously has the athletic ability to do it, he's so long, he's got long arms, got good coverage ability. When you have all of those things, you're going to be enticed to put him on the defensive side of the ball, especially if Nick Saban is your head coach, given his pretty obvious defensive tendencies and, and track record uh, there. So he's uh, Trayvon is someone who kind of shows the progress of Nick Saban in that if Trayvon came to Alabama in 2011, he probably would have never started at wide receiver. He would have started at corner, hmm. but started at wide receiver in whatever year he, he showed up in Alabama. I guess that would have been 16 
Mm -hmm. um, assuming he didn't redshirt, I, I can't remember, but uh, assuming that's the case, he would he probably wouldn't have started at wide receiver, but he started at wide receiver, and that that's clearly helped him because he's talked about that in the past, how having a year of, of college football under his belt and seeing the game from that side of things kind of helped him understand what opposing offenses are trying to do and understand wide receiver techniques and things like that. But of course he has his brother for that too. I mean, he and he and Stefan talk regularly multiple times a week during the, the season. They're always critiquing each other and, and breaking down each other's uh, games. So He's, he's got a, a nice window into the mind of the wide receiver just through his brother, but he also did it himself, which helped him in the course of his college career. Wait, so you said they actually break each other's film down? Like they watch each other's games and they come back and they, and they kind of critique each other? That's a, the that's a thing? Yeah. yeah, Trayvon talked about that uh, during last season. He and, he and Stefan would watch each other's games, and, and most of the time they're, they're kind of needling at each other about things they missed in, in the games, like uh, – like Trayvon would point out a, a catch that's on this. Yeah, yeah. Like just hyper competitive type A type dudes, right? Like that's what it takes to to get to this kind of level. Um, but and, and Stefan would come right back and point to busted coverages that Trayvon had or footwork issues, things like that. Those, those are the kinds of things they would talk about, and that's how they uh, that's how they motivate each other to get better, I guess. I love that. That's cool. I actually think it's interesting too. I can't help but think it plays into the concept of. They unfortunately lost their father, um, you know, I think it was about a little over a decade ago to um, heart failure, I believe is, is what it was. And, and so there's been some interviews out there where Stefan has talked about how he kind of picked up the, the head of household role for his brothers. And I can't help but look at that juxtaposition right there where you say, you know, they're looking at each other's film and obviously it's brotherly love, but it kind of feels like a, a, a little like a bit of mentorship from the older brother as well too, you know, he's like, I've been there. I'm going to talk you through this. Yeah, and I, I hope I hope uh, Trayvon's mom shows up in, in Dallas, which I'm sure she will. She's, she's a character. So in Trayvon's freshman year, my wife was going to a game as a, as a fan. I was probably working some other game, as you can imagine. And she had a uh, jersey with – on the back nameplate with Baby Diggs, since he's the, the baby of the, oh of the family, God. right? So uh, Baby Diggs so is apparently a nickname that his, his mother gave him. And I think my, my wife, Morgan, was like sitting nearby or, or something and, sh and heard some people shouting baby digs at him when he would get a kick return or something. So uh, I uh, anyway, I hope, I hope uh, Trayvon's mom shows up in, in Dallas a couple times. Cause oh, I hope so too. We have a good mom gang down here. Like yeah, Zeke's mom and uh, well, actually their whole crew, like the grandma down there is pretty cool too. So honestly we do like the families of these players travel so much for these games, which you get it. Of course, like yeah. we have one of our linebackers, um, Leighton Vanderesh, his family has a bus that like, it's, I think it's a school bus, but they literally bus around the country to go to all of his games. Like they have this <laughs> massive family and they go to all the games together. It's hysterical. It's awesome. I love it so much. He went to Boise state. So I'd be really disappointed if it was anything other than a straight up Middle school cheese wagon, no AC. Whole well, they painted night. it. I'm really disappointed. If I feel like it is. That. Yeah, isn't it like decked out with it, like his number? I mean, it has to be Yeah, yeah. Like I think it is. That's hysterical. No. So what you're telling us is we need to get a baby Diggs jersey, um, 31. That's his number. Which <laughs> I I wonder if you know anything about this. I was doing some again, like in my research, and I was reading his scouting report. Um, from my guy, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. And it says that he wore the number seven because of Tyron Matthew. And I was really confused about that because you mentioned you're like, okay, he comes into Alabama as a wide receiver. He's not from Al or Louisiana. He's from Maryland. So what's the connection? Do you have any idea? I don't know. I don't know of a connection between the two. I think, uh, I mean – Trayvon being a, a freshman in the 2016 season, which I'm trying to to pull up to confirm right now. Um, yes, he was a he was a freshman in 2016, and and Matthew's big breakout year was what 11. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, at, that would put uh, Trayvon right around the time where he's entering high school. He's probably gaining a, a better understanding of of football and paying more 
close attention to it. So I'd, I'd imagine the, that had a role in it, seeing a guy like him ball out at the, that level, which is funny that he uh, was wearing that number considering he, he went to Alabama and Tyran's uh, unfortunate national championship game history with with <laughs> Alabama. Uh, they got the game of the century, though. So uh, credit, credit, credit where it's due to, to Honey Badger. But, um, yeah, yeah th- th- what interests me about that is he wore seven even as a freshman when he was playing wide receiver. He right, like that's why I was like, uh, I'm so confused. He's like, just predicting his future into defense or something. Yeah, he just knew. <laughs> he, he was projecting. Intuition, <laughs> exactly. So I love the fact that you talked about how Saban felt like he was he's a good enough coach and he can take a player who just has talent and bring him in and turn him into whatever he needs him to be. I really feel like that's a mentality that we're seeing with this new Cowboys coaching staff, Mike McCarthy. You know, he talked about, he's like, everyone, everyone wants to know what defensive scheme you're running, whether it's three, four or four, three. And he goes, listen, man, like I, I got Mike Nolan, you know, he's our, he's my, he's my D coordinator, but we're not really committing to a scheme, if you will, because our main goal is to get the best players on the field and the rest is kind of like, we'll just figure it out from there. So I, I kind of feel like that's a sentiment that, he will also see on the big stage as well um, in terms of the mentality that this upcoming coaching staff has too, which, you know, they look at a guy like him and, and I heard from Al Harris, the, the cornerbacks coach, he went on to one of our radio stations and, and, and had an interview and he said, listen, I want big guys. I want big corners. And Trayvon fits that bill. He's massive. He's massive. So yeah, Trayvon, uh, Trayvon definitely fits that, uh, that, that mold. I mean, he, he was listed as a as a senior at Alabama at where do you go six two two oh seven. So he's got the size. I mean that's why he was projected to be a, a decent corner by by Saban. The the problem was he didn't necessarily play to that frame as a senior. Specifically, there were times where the tackling just wasn't there for what you would expect of someone that's six two two oh seven and built like that. Um, so if he can, if he can find a way to be a little more physical when he gets in one-on-one situations where the receiver he's covering already has the ball, if he has that, he can absolutely be one of uh, the Cowboys' best eleven defenders. The, the coverage skills are there. The coverage skills are very much there. He's very fluid in his hips. His footwork is solid. He doesn't get himself in that bad position where he's in a one-on-one with a wide receiver very often because his cover skills are go- are so good. It's just that once he gets there, he probably needs to be a little more physical in terms of bringing the guy down or bringing him down without getting kind of halfway bowled over in the process. But, but again, the, the frame is obviously there. So if the Cowboys can, can teach that into him, it's pretty easy to see how he could be a, a top 11 guy for the Cowboys pretty early in his career, if not immediately. So you said, um, inconsistent is a word that you would kind of use to describe him. He didn't completely convert over to corner until his sophomore year. Like you said, he came in wide receiver, was doing some special teams work, and then also operate a little bit at corner as well. So do you do you mm-hmm. kind of chalk that up to that inconsistency up to the fact that, A, he hasn't been playing it full-time that long? And also, in 2018, he missed the final nine games of the season with a foot injury. So if you think about it from a holistic perspective, he really hasn't been playing this position full-time that long. Yeah, it certainly, certainly doesn't help his, uh, his development to have missed that, that many reps. I think the whole inconsistent thing, if you, if you tune into fans down here where Alabama fans have been spoiled by preposterously good defense for most of this decade, so their, their expectations are a little out of whack, they point to <laughs> what happened to Trayvon against LSU. Well, LSU torched everybody. Like, everybody. Yeah. They torched everybody. So let's, let's take that out of the sample size let's let's remove that if you remove the LSU game Trayvon was pretty good for most of the year he had a bad game against LSU so did everybody else find a corner in this draft that didn't get torched by LSU find me one you're not right. going to so if you get that out Trayvon had a really good year there were minor inconsistencies in there but that's kind of the nature of the corner position in this day and age where things are so spread out and, and the forward pass has taken uh, some significant steps forward in, uh, in recent years and recent decades. Inconsistency at the cornerback position is going to happen. You're not going to have the, 
you're not going to have what Richard Sherman was in the prime days of Seattle anymore. That's probably not going to happen out of a corner. But if you can get somewhere close to that, that's where you get some serious value out of a corner. And again, the coverage skills are not the issue with, with Trayvon. The coverage skills are absolutely there. It's how he fits into uh, NFL schemes and most importantly, how he handles the physicality of NFL wide receivers. Um, he's got to figure that out because the coverage skills are there. They aren't going to get open on him all that often. It's what happens when they do create some separation where, where Trayvon recovers and either makes a play on the ball or, or makes an efficient tackle on the guy before he gets to a first down. So another concept that's been around is everyone in, in Cowboys Nation, if you will, is, you know, we need a defense really, really badly. And so we obviously got a couple guys. We have, we have Trayvon, we have Reggie Robinson, we sniped him too. So a couple good corners. Do you see any flexibility in him to maybe move to the safety position? We also have Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I, she messes that name up a lot so bad. <laughs> so we have a safety right now. It's a one-year deal, though, but everyone keeps on wanting to discuss the possibility of these guys have flexibility. Well, do they have flexibility to go to safety? Do you see Trayvon having that kind of skill set, or do you feel like, listen, he's changed positions enough. Let's just leave him where he is. I, I personally wouldn't do it just because I think Trayvon's best skill is his bump and run coverage ability, his, his up close coverage ability in one-on-one -on -one situations. And if you put him at safety or, or even in a nickel corner kind of role where he's moving around the field and doing a bunch of different things, especially in the pass rush and in the, in the run stopping game, you kind of neutralize his best skill in my opinion. So I personally wouldn't do it. I mean, again, a, a 6 to 207 frame, you can see where an NFL franchise might want to do that. But I, I personally wouldn't because I think his, his best skill is bump and run, one-on-one, mono-e-mono coverage. That's what Nick Saban corners do on basically every snap. So he's been very well rehearsed in that. And I would imagine that if, uh, if an NFL franchise is going to in a vacuum, use Trayvon where he's best used. It's going to be in, in that role. Now, if he has to fit somewhere else on a defense to see the field, he'll he'll certainly do that. He's not he's not the kind of guy who's going to be too proud to go to nickel corner or a, a free safety type if it means getting on the field. But, uh, again, I just wouldn't do it because Trayvon is best when he's in somebody's face mask on the line of scrimmage. Well, lucky for him, I know I just said we don't really have a strict defensive scheme that I think this team's going to st stick to, but I do feel like the nickel is, is really the, the new base defense in the NFL. So I, I guess, you know, that would work in his favor too, even just to get on the field. Um, but I don't want to gloss over one thing you mentioned too in terms yeah. of his special teams abilities because this has been an area as well that, you know, it may not seem like a big deal, but it also can really add up um, the return game. You know, this team lost – their return specialist when Cole Beasley went to the Bills. And then again, like Randall Cobb, he went to the Texans. And you mentioned that this is something that he's been doing for a while. I looked Which at was music to my ears. Yeah. Right? Like the, this is the, these are the, the plays that Meg and I live for, a good returner. He's averaging like 9.2 yards per, per punt return. That's not too bad. Not shabby. Like, I'm here for that. No, no. He, he's, yeah, he's, he's a solid returner. He didn't do – much of it after the foot injury, if nothing else, because his foot injury paved the way for a, a freshman, Jalen Waddle, to bust onto the scene. And he was arguably the best kick returner and punt returner in the nation last year. Um, so he didn't do a ton of it at the tail end of his career at Alabama, but he clearly has the ability to do it. Uh, he just didn't because this is a, a very – Alabama thing where you can be very good at something and not do it because someone who's great at it is on the roster. Good problem uh, that, that happens somewhat <laughs> regularly at, uh, at Alabama. <laughs> yeah, so he, he didn't do a ton of it towards the tail end of his, uh, his career in Tuscaloosa, but that says more about Jalen Waddle than it does Trayvon. Trayvon can certainly do it at the NFL level if, uh, if the Cowboys ask him to do it. And he can be a kick coverage guy, a punt, a punt coverage guy uh, too, so he can he can create value for himself in, in that way. That's awesome. So, um, obviously, again, we know about his, his famous older brother, and he's about to make a name for himself as well. But Stefan, you know, the Minnesota miracle, um, a pretty signature moment in his career. But his younger brother had some signature moments of his own last year, and I know you were there to witness them. 
let's talk about that Tennessee game. Fumble recovery for a hundred yards. <laughs> like, are you it's pretty nice? Like, what was that like to experience? Hype. Go ahead and hype up Cowboys Nation on like what this guy can do. Uh, well, he can clearly run a hundred yards in a straight line <laughs> faster than anybody on Tennessee's roster. We know that. <laughs> is that, that saying much right now, though? <laughs> no, no. It might be in a couple years, but it's not now. Um, <laughs> that was such a weird play because so the game was, I want to say it was like 28 to 13 or something at the time. And, and Tennessee hasn't beaten Alabama in like a thousand years. It's borderline impossible. So bad. <laughs> Tennessee is knocking on the door. Of that. I mean, look, facts only. There's a, there's a Twitter account. You should find it. There's a Twitter account for days since Tennessee beat Alabama. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Team Petty. Find it. Uh, find it while I'm finishing. Seriously, <laughs> like days since UT beat Bama or something crazy. That's anyway, that was such a weird play. It was, it was 28 to 13. Tennessee is on like the two-yard line or something. So they are knocking on the doorstep of making it a one-possession game to beat Alabama for the first time since the Stone Ages. And the quarterback goes rogue. Like the quarterback, it's supposed to be a handoff of some kind, right. but the QB calls his own number, goes QB sneak, and doesn't handle the ball very well, and it gets poked out by another highly rated DB in this draft class of Alabama, Xavier McKinney, who is oh. a New York Giant. Heard of now. him. And, and Trayvon, yeah, exactly. Trayvon picks it up and just houses it to, to end that game. It was the final score of the game. I think it was – 35 to 13 or something, but uh, on a personal level, that game kicked off at like 8.30 at night or something local, so I am I am up against it deadline-wise, and then Trayvon oh. goes and goes and does that, so he made he made my life particularly difficult that, uh, that yeah, evening. You couldn't uh, just not, use the plug-and-play article me. that night. You had to like write the full story on this ex excellent play. <laughs> That's one of those where you have your game story written and you go control A, delete, yep. and just yep. start over. Yep. <laughs> so then the next week he comes and, back against Arkansas, right? And he has a pick six. Yeah. Yeah. Arkansas is, uh, Arkansas is real bad. Arkansas is really, really, really bad. Um, so that, that kind of thing can happen. Uh, but it, it does show, uh, like, uh, uh, all joking aside, it does show Trayvon's ball skills. Like, again, there's clearly – a former wide receiver and a potential kick returner in that in that skill set that he can he can look so natural and so fluid with with the ball because you can kind of tell guys who have been DBs or linebackers turned to DBs for their entire careers and guys that are athletes that happen to play DB because those guys that have been safeties and DBs their entire careers they don't look natural holding the ball when they're running with it it's kind of it changes a lot. They just look funny running with the football while holding it. Trayvon doesn't. Uh, Trayvon doesn't look out of sorts when he's holding the ball and, and running with it. So the the play against Tennessee and that pick six against Arkansas definitely showcase that natural ability with the football in his hand. So I know I told you some of the plays that I keep hearing. Uh, what about some of your favorite plays and memories of Trayvon uh, in his time in Alabama? Ooh, those two, those two stand out for sure. Uh, there was one, I'm trying to remember the game. I think, ooh, it may have been against New Mexico State or maybe Ole Miss. I'll, I'll have to see if I can find a picture of it. There is this play where he makes an incredible uh, recovery on a ball and gets back to it and almost pulls this incredible – one-handed interception over the top. The picture of it is is insane. I'm doing a quick Google image search to see if I can find it. Yeah, that's it. No, okay. So it was at Mississippi State um, this year. That's a crossover for you. That was thank you, Mississippi. Yeah, it was. It was at Mississippi State this year. I'm going to send you. Um, I'm going to send you a story that has the the picture. And unfortunately, the the top of it is cut off, so you can't. You can't quite see like how high he is, but 
he's he is up there and he made a big recovery to get to an open man downfield really really impressive that's probably if I had to make a top three of, of Trayvon in, in 2019 it would definitely be this play against Mississippi State that I, I just sent you the link to um the Arkansas pick six and the and the Tennessee fumble return the Tennessee fumble return is probably number one just because Alabama Tennessee is a somewhat significant rivalry for people who don't follow college football all that regularly and again uh, Alabama's beaten Tennessee 15 years in a row and it was I at mean, home big thing it um, has to seal the game that way with return was was fun and it's, it's especially fun because the tradition in that rivalry and it goes both ways so whichever team wins the tradition is the winning team smokes cigars as a victory type thing no. and as soon as Trayvon's feet as soon as Trayvon's feet hit the paint past the goal line you could start smelling cigar smoke in, in Bryant <laughs> Stadium so he has uh, he has that moment to to live with for for the rest of his life. So are you saying that Joe Burrow took the smoking cigars tradition from Alabama? Is that what you're How dare inferring you? right now? <laughs> I'm just here to stir the pot. Joe Burrow okay? took a lot of <laughs> Well, I will Joe say. Joe Burrow took a lot of things. <laughs> it has been 4,947 days since uh, Tennessee beat Alabama. That's oh, man. <laughs> That's terrible. Isn't that painful? Yeah, that is. Like, honestly, I can't imagine. Wait, so um, I need to hear these things that Joe Burrow took, and then I have one more question for you before um, I, I let you go and, and go be with the, with the newborns, which, by the way, you're a gym for coming on here. Yeah. You guys, if you guys don't follow him, he has um, brand-new twin newborns, so um, bless you, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, twin girls, they turned three months old a few days ago, so um, I'm, I'm hoping they're not – causing too much pandemonium in my in my living room. Um, <laughs> the list of things Joe Burrow took from Alabama. Yeah. SEC West Division Championship, SEC Championship, College Football Playoff, Birth National Championship. That's the list. <laughs> That's the list. Oh, man. I love it so much. All right. So last question I have for you. You cover recruiting and, you know, NCAA and just in general – it's been one of these things that's been looming for a while. We've heard all about how they, the players don't get paid. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, obviously the legislation or the, they just came down where they said you can actually be paid for certain endorsements as a player, but the school's not going to pay you. But people are viewing it as a step in the right direction. I look at a guy like, um, you know, Trayvon, he's a senior, but you've got your, right, your wide receivers, uh, Judy and Ruggs. They went out as juniors. Do you feel like, the concept of getting paid when you're in college for endorsements will actually maybe potentially keep some of these guys in the schools longer before they commit to go to the NFL. I know they can't make NFL money, but make I mean, I don't know that. Shoot, you might be able to, but what are your thoughts on, on how that can affect things? Um, obviously, I don't think it would keep guys like Judy and Ruggs and Tua um, in school because – I mean, there's only so much money you can make in, in sponsorships and endorsements and sponsored social media posts and, and stuff like that. It's never going to compare to NFL money, I don't think. But I, I do think there are examples of players in the past who say have a couple of children by the time they're 19 or 20 and they legitimately cannot afford to stay in school one more year because they got two mouths to feed and they got to go to the NFL and get that paycheck, even if they have to go undrafted because they're not prepared uh, for the NFL yet, they have to go anyway to get that paycheck. And, and some are in positions where a family member needs help. Uh, I, can, I can see where getting a little sponsorship money from name, image, and likeness would uh, maybe keep some of those guys in, in school for an extra year as opposed to uh, guys like Judy and Tua and, and Ruggs who – you knew watching them all season long, they were X number of days away from becoming a millionaire overnight. Um, those guys, those guys are going to be three and out always, but there, there are players who, if they could just make a few thousand bucks on the side for putting up a couple Instagram posts a, a month, you know, about a local restaurant or a car dealership or something that could very well keep them in school for another year. But, 
uh, not a ton of people are not a ton of people at the NFL level are, are paying attention to those guys. Now, in the college level, if that keeps your second string nose guard on campus and that guy gets five tackles for loss for you over the course of a year that he otherwise wouldn't have played, then yeah, that's going to be paid attention to at the college level. But um, I don't know that that's going to have a huge impact on the NFL in terms of the top flight guys because at the end of the day, whether they stay extra year because of that NIL money or they don't, they're still going to test the NFL eventually. They're still going to have their shot at a, at a roster spot. It, it might help some depth at the, at the college level um, while, while they do it. But I'm, I'm just glad it's happening because, uh, I, I mean, there is just so much money in the NCAA and in college athletics. Like we got Clemson putting a slide in their facility and Alabama's got <laughs> whirlpools and um, these customizable lockers and, and all this other stuff. But man, there's just no money to pay the players. It's crazy. It's yep. crazy how that works. Like, yeah. Uh, the, there are tennis coaches and, and all that making six figures, which they, they work hard. I'm not trying to belittle their work by any stretch of the imagination, but no money to pay the players. Come on. Right. And you're like, um, that's So the, the NIL is probably, the NIL is probably the way you can do it because you can't pay these guys directly from the school because then Title IX becomes a factor. So if you play, if you pay football players, like if you paid an Alabama football player what he's worth to the university, that's a lot of money. Then Title IX comes in and says that same amount of money, you got to pay that to the backup setter on the volleyball team. And the number three guy in your track four by 100 relay and the 34th dude on your baseball roster and, and all these other athletes on campus and all your swimmers and all of your golfers and tennis players and rowers in Alabama, the, the list goes on and on. So I don't know that you can pay these people from the school per perspective, despite the, the jokes I was making at the NCAA's expense, but getting name, image, and likeness compensation would, would be a way to do that. One, to truly let them be paid what they're worth, right? The free market would let them know what they're worth, just like sponsorship deals do in the, uh, in the NFL. But two, we could get the video games back. We could get NCAA football back, and that's all I want. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> all I want. That's all I want. You and about a million other people, my friend. I hope you've been listening to part of my take and watching um, Big Cat with his, <laughs> his yeah, tours. It's so good. And honestly, if I have to take a silver lining away from quarantine, it has been that one of the one of the things for me because it's been so fun to watch these universities embrace like even the compliance programs are like tweeting about it and it's hysterical like I love it so much so it's been fun. Um, all right, Brett. Well, we won't. Uh, they're keep you bored, man. I know. Well, we won't keep you much longer. But do you have any like final parting words to you know Cowboys fans or? favorite stories about Trayvon that you'd like to share before we let you go. And then we're going to make sure everyone knows where to find you and follow you because, you know, let's be, let's be honest. There's a lot of talent coming out of Alabama. And um, if anyone wants to know what's going to be the next up and coming guy, they should probably be giving you a follow on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of talent in these parts. That's for sure. My, my party word for a Cowboy fan is if this, if the college football season goes on, as it's supposed to, Alabama will open the season against USC in Dallas. I think it's like September 5th or something. So oh. buy me a beer in <laughs> Dallas. That's what I'm saying. If you're there you go. podcast, find me in Dallas and buy me a beverage. <laughs> I know Girls Talking Boys, this podcast has you a beverage, but go ahead and everyone else needs to chip in too. We'll start like a Venmo or a GoFundMe or something for <laughs> your bar tab when you come to Dallas for all the information you've bestowed upon us. Brett, thank you so much. You're fantastic. Yes. Where can everyone find you on Twitter? I am on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. I have an Instagram account. I don't update it very often, so I wouldn't waste your time. I need to be better about that. Uh, so follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. Maybe I'll uh, 
maybe I'll get better at that once I'm out of quarantine. Who knows? Awesome. I love it. All right, guys. Well, make sure to give Brett a follow on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson with the Tuscaloosa News and Tide Sports. Brett, thank you so much. You're amazing. So that was great, wasn't it? I'm glad we could really digs in. Oh, she will be here all week, folks. Um, but luckily for you guys, we both will be back on Monday and Friday with new episodes of Girls Talking Boys dropping. If you miss us and you can't wait until then, find us on the Twitter. I'm at Kelsey underscore Charles and Meg. At Meg Murray with four R's. Meg Murray. Yeah, that's it. Um, as always, subscribe, rate, review, find our podcast on the Blog and the Boys feed. Anywhere you get your podcast, whether that's Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, you name it, we're going to be there. I know I said it before, but truly your rate and reviews help us so much and they mean the world and you guys have been so supportive. So we are so grateful for that. They make me all warm and fuzzy inside. Truly though. Um, we also have some other great podcasts too under the Blog and the Boys umbrella. Make sure you guys check those out as well. We've got new content coming for you guys every single day of the week. So lots to look forward to. But until next time, Cowboys forever, Eagles for never. Bye guys. <laughs>